Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go for your Monday. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. It is Hockey Central at noon. One full hour of nonstop hockey talk. Special day today. It is International Women's Day. And coming up, we'll hear from Sandra Persina. She's got a ton of really good content. And we're going to play it uh, throughout the day. And we'll continue tonight as well. So she'll be uh, talking analytics with Megan Chaika coming up at about 12.45. At 12.30, it's our first ever, let's give it a try, Southern Alberta Western Hockey League Roundtable with Dustin Forbes, the voice of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and our very own Brad Curl as Hitman Hockey returned to Sportsnet 960 The Fan for the first time in a year on Friday night. It was awesome to hear the guys back at it. We'll do that coming up at 12.30. But it is Hockey Central. And the first segment is always Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Well, Lou, I uh, I took Friday off, kind of, but not really. Uh, what have you guys been talking about? <laughs> I, uh... Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but uh, <laughs> at this point in time, after the last 72 hours or so, you know, if you can't laugh, you're just probably going to ball your eyes out, and I've probably had a couple of those moments too, so yeah, I get it. Yeah, we. Uh, I was listening on, on Thursday night, right? Just, you know, the guys did such a great job of a, a tribute to Walter Gretzky, and I thought, oh, okay, the show, I listen to some overtime, and all of a sudden, whoa, hold the phone. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And all of a sudden, you could tell, like, because I got, know you guys so well, like Derek and, and, and Lou get quiet. I go, when did they get quiet? You could tell you guys where something was going on, and then, and then Pat goes, we got to take a break. So he takes a break and comes back. Yep. Like, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a trade or something. Nope, bigger than that. So it was, uh, it was something. So that, uh, that happened on Friday, and then we have a lot to talk about, obviously. Uh, Flames go into Edmonton on Saturday and lose 3-2 and then lose in a shootout last night against the Ottawa Senators. And um, you talked about maybe maybe this weekend essentially is the flame season in a microcosm, really. Kelly, and I don't refer to Dennis Green and rest his soul a lot, a former coach of the Minnesota Vikings. But remember that little tirade he went on about the Bears are who we thought they were. Yeah, when he was coaching the Cardinals, um, yeah. <laughs> he was coaching the Cardinals at that time. And so I, I do feel like it was a microcosm, and it's almost like, well, we have to turn that page. But let's take a look at the weekend. So you make the huge coaching change, and we'll get to Daryl and more of that. In fact, the next two days, I've got a couple of things planned um, on Hockey Central at noon where we're going to – we're going to look at some comparisons and, and potentially the building blocks of the Calgary Flames and, and maybe even how they compare to either old Flames teams or maybe even L.A. Kings teams. So I'll let that cat out of the bag for the next couple of days. Um, so you play your tail off in Edmonton, highly emotional. The Oilers, you knew that they would be ready. The Flames have a great first period. Everything you want them to do, they do. They come away with a one nothing lead. The Oilers make a big adjustment. Dave Tippett goes, we haven't scored against the Leafs. Now we haven't scored against Calgary. 
So we're going to put our big boys together. And so that certainly changed the game. But through all that, you get to the third. Noah Hannafin scores his first goal of the year. And after that, well, yes, it was the McDavid show for sure. He had three points. But not unlike Kelly in some other games this season, battle level is great all night long. Highly appreciated it. think in many ways it's where you needed to be. But didn't probably make the Oilers defend enough half of the game. And you make a critical mistake at 2-1 that ties it at 2 and, and leaves the door open. And unfortunately, you play a pretty darn good game and you have nothing to show for it. And then we fast forward to Sunday. So you're disappointed. It's a back-to-back. And let me ask you. So when I look at even Sunday, so yes, take the third period. Was the third period great? Absolutely. But how did you get there? And for this group, in a very urgent situation again it took two periods to get to their game and hasn't that really Kelly in many ways didn't the weekend define everything that you've wanted to know or witnessed about the group it it, it has and when you look at at last night and the turnovers keep happening the, the mess-ups in the defensive zone where, where the, the D guys, and they all take turns at it, get kind of focused on the puck instead of the man, and then the power play where it's so predictable and so defensible, it, it gives the other team um, momentum, if not like plain ordinary scoring chances. That kind of stuff drives people crazy when you see it, and, and Lou, okay. we, we keep seeing it. We, we do. We do, but here's what I'll say about that. So I'm glad you went to the power play. So when you don't get out of certain things as to what you want, those three first period power plays, Kelly, truly for me defined the game because you weren't ready. You weren't ready to execute the plan. You didn't execute because you know what I saw Saturday on two power plays? You were ready. You executed the plan and your number one unit went out and scored a goal on one try and went out on the next try and were really dangerous for the time they were out there. So yes, we're about to see a lot of different things in terms of plan We're about to see different things in getting more out of people. But your ability at key times in sports to be urgent and execute when it's on the line matters. And that group set the table and hurt itself through, in many ways, some of their best. Not all. Not all. Because I look at a guy like Matthew Kachuk last night. Solid, invested, couple of assists, played 22 minutes. So I'm not liking it to the whole group. But certain, when you get early power plays, Kelly, here's what needs to happen. And anyone in hockey will tell you this. They can not only get you a lead, but they can set the tone for the game and they can set the tone 
for your best players to get good offensive touches. When that doesn't happen, now you build the game for the other team. And it was interesting to listen to Ryan Huska after the game because he did, he pointed there. And then he was asked the big question after the game. So what do you take away and where do you focus? Was it about periods one and two? Was it about period three? Or what's the truth? As he refers to, it's all of the above. You know, that's the tough part is you want to see that all the time, right? And um, I thought we did a real good job in the third period. There was a lot of good showings from a lot of different players. And um, it felt like they were they were starting to feel it and they got their legs under them in the third period. But at this time of year, you know, you can't just be talking about one good period. And that's the, the tough part for us. Um, yeah, that starts early in the first is where you need that to happen. So you can establish kind of the tone and, and the way the game's going to be played. Yeah. It's um, I was thinking about Ryan. I go, that was his first head coaching in the NHL. Won't be his last. I don't think, I think he's got a really Not a bright, chance. Yeah, really bright future. He does have a really bright future, and I think he has everything it takes when the time comes. I think he's a great communicator. He has outstanding experience. And, Kelly, the one place I put an unbelievable premium when it comes to investing in people is what have they done? And it doesn't, for me, as you know, have to be in the NHL. Ryan Huska has won everywhere. He was a three-time Memorial Cup champion as a player. And I know who he learned a lot from. He learned from Tom Rennie. He learned from Don Hay, one of the junior hockey legends. You know, he moved into coaching after, you know, as it turned out, playing one game in the National Hockey League. And then ended up in Kelowna, where he was an assistant. Well, in 2004, and... I was lucky enough to be there and call it. Well, he and that staff led Shea Weber and company to another Memorial Cup title. Then as the head coach in 2009, well, it's hard for Hitman fans for sure because in 2009, the Hitman won 59 games and the Kelowna Rockets beat them in six games on a Tyson Berry overtime winner after it was three games to nothing in the series. And the Hitmen look like if they win game six, I would have loved their chances in game seven. But the point is, Ryan has been successful. He's learned. He's been on two Canadian World Junior staffs. And um, I highly respect him. And when the day comes, when that, and it's going to come, I don't know whether it's going to be here, but I think he has all the makings, and I think even the upcoming opportunity for him to, again, learn from someone who has won at the highest level and might do it differently. We can always continue to learn. Absolutely. And really, that's kind of where we're at. We're chatting with Peter Labardius. It is Hockey Central at noon, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, the Calgary Flames lose in a shootout. Uh, they come back and play their tails off in the third to get it tied, and then it goes to a shootout, which anything can happen, and that's that. And uh, a tough one in Edmonton, 3-2, which was just about tied by Johnny Goodrow towards the end, but did not happen. 
And now the uh, the sh- the the focus, I guess, will will obviously will change to the to the new head coach. And you know, we had the press conference on this radio station uh, on Friday, and uh, it was classic Daryl. He talked about unfinished business, and but he is just one just one guy, and there's not a lot of games left. Well, I, I guess my, my first question is, what do you think was going through the guys' heads when they got that information on Thursday and had to process it and get ready to play back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday? I can't imagine what was going through through their heads. As, as professional athletes, as people, as, as knowing things are going to change, people don't like change. Like, Luke, could you even imagine what some of those guys were thinking about as they got ready to play those two games? Yeah, I can. Yeah, Kelly, I can, because I don't think if you're close enough to it, it would be any different for a lot of people around the team. Um, and the sentiment would have been automatically as a player, depending on your connection with Jeff, and I had a great connection with Jeff, make no bones about it, I will be forever ever thankful about his investment and what I learned from him. And I heard it from the assistant coaches. I heard it from the general manager. Jeff Ward is a good man, a real good man. So as a player, my guess is you're feeling terrible. You're feeling terrible for your part in the investment. You learn who the new head coach is going to be. And if you have any awareness whatsoever, any awareness whatsoever, you know of Daryl. You know about him winning. You know about the fact that this is someone who defines what he wants out of the people that play for him. And that doesn't come just from my observations or being around him and other members of the Sutter family. That comes from Rhett Warner. That comes from listening to Jamie McLennan. Um, That comes from visits that I have had over the years with Ron and Rich Sutter. I think it's pretty clear. So now there's a new leader behind that bench. And so, Kelly, I think it would have touched every single human emotion that you would have. That's, that's what I would think. And there would be some players, to be honest, who, if they were able to tell the truth, would probably say, great. There would be others that go, uh-oh, What's coming next? And now we await to see how this excellent, excellent coach assesses this team, asks for more from this team, both individually and collectively. And, you know, Daryl on the outside, and he comes by it honestly, cares about accountability and he make no mistake Kelly has a standard but the one thing I don't think Daryl gets enough credit for and I asked him one question on Friday and it is stuck with me the whole weekend and it doesn't surprise me you think about Daryl you think about his son Chris you think about some of not just the hockey challenges but life challenges You think about a guy who comes from a hard-nosed, hard-working farm background in a family of incredibly competitive people. 
But when I asked him about core and family, he didn't poo-poo it, but he said to me, Peter, after admitting that maybe he's listened to Hockey Central at noon on his tractor (laughs) feeding cows, that what does he know? He knows people. And I truly, even though his methods might not be for everyone, you don't get the most out of other people unless two things. You're willing to invest in people, maybe three things. You set a standard, you own that standard, and it's very clear, and you work and get to know people. To me, that's the definition of what leadership really is and it's not it's not for everybody and the other thing kelly about it is it it can be really difficult as you know in the position you've been in your whole life it's not easy is it to tie a bunch of different personalities with different agendas and different ideas together my guess is in your professional career fair to say that would be one of the greatest challenges yeah it's it's the hardest thing to do there's some things in and i'll just take broadcasting you know you know there's things that you can do on your own to set things up where the dynamic and the tricky part and also the challenging but also that has the most upside is the people side and i i thought it was interesting because boomer basically asked rhett this morning's like what's job one for daryl and I, I i thought maybe be like okay he's going to simplify things or he's going to do something for the defense no we said He's just going to get to know the room and, and get to know who, who, who's, who are the leaders, who are the real leaders, who are the guys that are the followers, who are the guys that maybe are, are a little passive. And that was his answer. He says he's going to get to know the, the guys first. I thought maybe that surprised me. Maybe it probably didn't surprise you. No, it didn't surprise me in the least. Because I think going forward and tomorrow we're going to get into it more. In fact, it's where we're going to start tomorrow about the identification process um, of basically who you entrust. And, Kelly, I've had some great conversations in the last 72 hours. I have hockey conversations every single day of my life. I really do. And, and I ask a lot of questions of a lot of people. And the one consensus, and not so much about just Daryl or anybody else, because I think by nature this is what every coach, what every GM tries to get to. And the consensus is this. You have to identify who your best people are. And you have to hold them to a standard. Because if your best people don't play the game, not just their way, but the way it needs to be played, your best people, and it is hard for any coach, any GM to move the needle. So assessing who those people are, I call them all-in people, and it's different now. We're not dealing necessarily in the same generation. But when you can assess who your true leaders are, and the guys who are all in. And you know what all in means for me? It's not about points. It's not about individual success. It is about winning. Winning. 
And yep. what does it take? What does it take for me? And person? do you make yep. people better around you? Yeah. No, it'll be interesting, and I know you're going to talk about it a little bit more uh, tomorrow and into Wednesday, as uh, obviously Hockey Central is going to have a you know obviously there's a new uh, era going on with Flames hockey, and we'll be all over it. Today, Lou, is a special day all over the world. It's International Women's Day, and I thought it was awesome uh, what we saw on Sportsnet for the last little while, and you've been hearing it here on the station. And uh, first, I just want to give kudos to Sandra Pacina, who uh, works, oh, at six, she works at 660 News normally, but we, uh, we call her quite a bit to help us out. And if you remember, she was the voice of the... Uh, the uh, Calgary Inferno, as we had those games on a few years ago. And she is so passionate about female sports. And uh, we're going to hear one of her interviews coming up just before 1 o'clock. We played them all day and we'll continue. And then tonight we're going to run them all back to back to back. So you're really going to get a sense of what's going on. And so I wanted to, to give a, a shout-out to her. And you know what? We have uh, lots of females uh, that make us so good here at Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And I think of our... Our, uh, our head sales manager, Angela Reimer. I think of our promotion director, Ashley Ostrander. And I know, I know uh, Lou, you, <laughs> you're the guy. We, we used to make fun of you where you, you'd drive miles and miles to watch a female softball game. And it's been a passion of yours for a long time. And I think people are starting to, starting to kind of, you know, get on Lou's island as we talk about it. And, and people are starting to figure this <laughs> out, right? And I know it's important to you. Well... It, it, it really is, and, and I'm going to use a couple of examples. First of all, I was product of a divorce and, and brought up by my mom. Um, but, but here's how I learned, Kelly, and I'll try to be as quick as I can. When I was 12 years old, a coach, and, and I think everybody knows I have an incredible soft spot for coaches, um, a coach by the name of Bob Steiner, rest his soul, who was like a father figure. I, I knew not, I love sports, and that's where Bob and I struck up a great relationship because he took an interest and knew how passionate I was, and he was so passionate. So he said, Peter, would you like to help out this senior women's, you know, trying to win another Canadian championship softball team in Saskatoon? called the Harmony Centers. Did I really know anything about women's sports at that point in time? No, I really didn't. You know, I watched the Olympics and, you know, was all in. You know, I can vividly remember, and even in 1976, you know, the Canadian women in basketball in particular. So I um, always had a huge passion for all sports played by everybody. But in the four years that I played sports, myself and I was a part of that team those women who would win another Canadian championship in 1980 did it had the commitment the resilience the work the love for one another and trust me there were all types of different people and personalities to this day Mr. Kirsch Bob Stainer, and especially those women, set the table for me in how I look at team, feel about team, how I feel about issues. And they did it 
not for money. They all had jobs. But their commitment to winning, their commitment to work, and their commitment to loving one another, making one another own their parts of it, has taught me lessons that I think have served me well the rest of my life, and especially when I think about team and my career. It's it's a special day, and we are so proud to be even a small part of it, International Women's Day, and we love how we can tie it into sports. Looking forward to that. Make sure you take some time out tonight. Uh, we'll have it all up on our website, too, if you miss it. Uh, Sandra Pacina has got uh, she's got a ton of, uh, of great interviews and, and all kinds of different sports, so uh, tune in for that. Lou, we're going to leave it there. Uh, next segment, uh, it really isn't anything you want to want to hear. It's we're going to have a, a a junior Western Hockey League roundtable. So I don't know if you want to. No, I don't. I can't stand it. <laughs> How do I get on it? How do I get on it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's next week, Lou. All right, we'll okay, uh, we'll talk right. we'll talk right. tomorrow. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. We are back. I am back. It's, you know, I do the show once in a while these days. And we are live and doing our thing from, and I might say, somebody cleaned this place up a little bit. It was looking a little bit like a dorm room, but somebody... Uh, I'm not sure who it was, and I did a little cleaning. It's looking way better. I'm talking about the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Four years and growing stronger each day, our partnership with those great people, and they do all kinds of stuff for the community. You know it, social responsibility. It's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. It'll be our first, but not our last. We are going to do a... uh, Western Hockey League Alberta Roundtable. Do that next, right here in Hockey Central. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon for your Monday. Coming up at 1 o'clock, it's the arrival of Will Nault and the Big Show. Let's head down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. First time we've done this because, well, I think it's going to be kind of cool. We've got uh, the Alberta bubble going on in the Western Hockey League. You heard our first game in like a year on Sportsnet 960 on Friday night as the Hitmen took on the Red Deer Rebels. We also have so many listeners down in beautiful Lethbridge, Alberta, we thought we'd uh, we have two guys on. First of all, uh, from Leftbridge, it's the voice of the Leftbridge Hurricanes. He's Dustin Forbes. Forbesy, how are you? Kelly, I'm doing very well. It's a sunny, beautiful day down here. It's always beautiful in Leftbridge. And speaking of a guy that used to call the Hurricanes, but he's been our guy for a long, long time now. He's Brad Curl. Brad, how are you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am well. Working out of the home office. Life there. is grand. Okay, first question to you, Curly. What did you expect the uh, the style of play to be? Where there's no preseason, there's no warm ups. It was like just boom, let's go. What did you think of of the I guess style of play or caliber of play that you saw between the Hitmen and the Red Deer Rebels this weekend? 
Well, first and foremost, just to kind of set it up, I, I, I really was in a position where I didn't know if it was going to happen until it did happen. There was so much excitement leading up to it. You almost expected someone to tap you on the shoulder at the last minute and go, yeah, this isn't happening. It became real for me when I saw an email on Thursday because teams are getting tested leading up to games where it came from the Calgary Hitman that said, let's play hockey. All tests came back negative. So that's when it kind of turned into reality. As far as expectations go, I really didn't know what to expect. I think if you asked me before the game, it was kind of just happy to be back in the building. But the quality of play, I'll be honest with you, the bar was low. I didn't expect a lot. You drop the puck, and if the players move around on the ice a little bit, I'd be happy to watch that. But the expectations for the players were just one of enthusiasm and excitement, and it really transmitted onto the ice. I thought, you know, for the first time in a year, the Calgary Hitman playing a hockey game, you never would have known that it was a year's time. Forbesy, what about you? The the Canes back at it. Tell me, tell me about uh, what you have seen from them. Well, we had a bye this weekend, uh, but we opened up the last weekend of February, the 26th and the 27th against the Edmonton Oil Kings. And let me tell you this, Kelly and Brad, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're really really good. Uh, Dylan Gunther, of course, leading the way. Uh, he's had a tremendous start through four games. Jake Neighbors, first rounder of the St. Louis Blues last year. Matthew Roberts. The list goes on. Um, but they're really good. So our start wasn't nearly as good as Calgary's start. Uh, we got shellacked 7-1 and 7-2 on back-to-back nights. But with that being said, uh, score aside, boy, was it nice to, to be back on the microphone calling a hockey game, to be back in a rink. Um, it, it was really nice. Uh, it was 356 days for us between games, and I know it was uh, a week longer for, for Curly and the Hitman, but uh, it's just so nice to, to have hockey back in, in the Western League and to be able to talk about it, that's for sure. Okay, guys, uh, we'll just get comments from well, Curly and then, and, then, and then Dustin. This, this is going to be a sprint. Like, this is not a marathon at all. This is going to be a quick, quick season. Uh, were games, I don't know how, how you translate, you know, from, from what a 68 game season down to what we have now, but Brad, give us a sense of the urgency. Plus you throw in your, you're playing each, each other, right? They're all four pointers, these games. Yeah, it, it is real interesting. Just to set it up for fans who aren't aware, it's a 24 game schedule that we know for sure. The entirety of the schedule and how compressed it is, we're still not a hundred percent sure. The Western Hockey League has gone about it very cautiously at first, they only announced the first two weeks. Well, we're now through the first two weeks. Now they've announced the schedule for the rest of the month. Now, the first two weeks, you only played twice. Now, moving forward till the end of March, you'll play three times. So, And they're going to do it like little mini playoff series on the weekend. So if you're Calgary, this weekend, you get the Medicine Hat Tigers three times. Friday at home, Saturday in Medicine Hat, Friday or Sunday back at home. And then the following weekend, it's Lethbridge. And then it's a trio of games against Edmonton. And because there's five teams somebody sits out there is a buy the overall scheme of things we still really don't know what the players are playing for there's been no commitment to a playoff schedule obviously these these teams are playing within their own territory so we don't know when it's all said and done will there be divisional playoffs or when the games are you reach the end of game 24 or 24 is that it you go home and then you get reset for the fall or Will there be divisional playoffs? And beyond that, could you perhaps mix provinces? Are we that far down the road in this pandemic starting to see the light at the end of the day where there could be 
Western Hockey League playoffs. We don't know, but we do know this. It's an opportunity for the players, and I really think we're going to see some great hockey because NHL scouts are watching. Dustin, I don't know how many scouts were in your building uh, for the opening weekend, but there were a lot of NHL scouts on Friday to watch the Hitman yeah. and the Red Deer Rebels. Everybody's back yeah. and excited. Yeah, we had, I, I think it was close to 30 for our home game here uh, a couple of weekends ago against Edmonton. Of course, for good reason, Dylan Gunther, draft eligible, probably to be a first rounder, maybe top 15, maybe top 10 if he keeps going the way he's going. Uh, I think you're right, Curly, too. And, and there is no uh, commitment at this point for a playoff, but I think, selfishly speaking, I hope that we get to that point where we can have, at the very least, um, two rounds of a of a playoff to, to crown a division winner. Uh, maybe that's a best of five, best of seven, or two best of sevens, or two best of fives, whatever that equates to hopefully we get to that point and and go on further than that if we can have a full playoff Uh, i think one of the the questions that i've been asked is uh how do players get up for these knowing that right now it's only 24 games and you're not really competing for a playoff spot at this point i i think it's as as simple as they haven't played hockey for a year and despite the scores in our two games so far, you could see that excitement uh, and you could see it within the coaching staff as well from a distance, of course, uh, for, for myself. And I know Curly's not inside the bubble either. So uh, the fact that they're back playing is a credit to everybody, you know, in the Western hockey league, uh, Ron Robinson leading the charge and, and everybody else below him. And a huge thanks of course, to the health authorities for, uh, working with all the jurisdictions. And last week, of course, uh, getting the approval for the double hub in BC and Kamloops and Kelowna, which means every jurisdiction in the league is back playing uh, within the next couple of weeks. Curly, can you kind of explain that to the audience? Because I think people are kind of wondering, well, how are they playing? I know there's, you know, the I think it's pretty self-explanatory with what's happening in Alberta, but Saskatchewan and Manitoba have, have a bit of a hub, and there's something going on in BC, and the American teams in the Western Hockey League are, are doing something as well. Yeah, we'll start with the East Division. Because of the travel restrictions that involve in Manitoba, where you have to quarantine for 14 days if you're going into Manitoba, they have now moved Winnipeg and Brandon into the Regina hub. And Swift Current, which was part of the Central Division comprising of all the Alberta teams, well, obviously they can't play in this jurisdiction, so they're back in the East Division again uh, for the third time in their franchise history. They're kind of like the, the forgotten team that bounces around. But anyway, that aside, the East Division is having a Regina hub, and it's seven teams in one facility. The players themselves are being housed at the University of Regina, and it's really a unique situation there because you have so many teams in one facility. They're going two-a-days. And, you know, talking to NHL scouts, they love this. The fact that you can have basically two hockey games in one day, it's a scout's dream. So I think that's a terrific situation. And Regina will begin on Friday. BC, they're going with the two hub divisions in Kamloops and Kelowna, which means that if you're traveling between the two, they do allow the teams to move between the two cities, but you can't stop. The bus cannot stop. It just has to go from facility to facility. That's the agreement they have in British Columbia. Again, it's to limit contact with the general public and to keep the players as a bubble as as much as possible. The one that kind of looks the most traditional, if you will, is the U.S. division. That will begin on March 19th. Now, that one is where teams can play out of their home cities, and they will travel 
within each other. The only one right now, we don't know where the Portland Winterhawks will play. They, of course, not in the state of Washington. They're in Oregon. And if you go to the WHL website, all their home games, the location is TBD. That'll get sorted out. But to Dustin's point, it's just an amazing job by the Western Hockey League and all the local health authorities to get creative and find a way to put everybody on the ice. Because for a moment in time, I know there was a lot of anxious people in BC going, are we going to be the only division that doesn't play? Well, thankfully not. All 22 teams will play. We're chatting with our, uh, it's our Alberta Western Hockey League roundtable here on Monday, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We've got Dustin Forbes from the Lethbridge Hurricanes and, of course, Brad Curl, the voice of the Calgary Hitmen. Dustin, t- talk to me about um, the, the the favorites in the Alberta division. I know everyone's talking about the Evans and Oil Kings. Are there some maybe t- some teams that we're maybe uh, overlooking right now before we just sort of hand them the crown, as it were? Well, definitely Edmonton, I think, is the favorite. I mean, they're off to a 4-0 start, and they've been, done nothing but score goals. Uh, talked about Dylan Gunther leading the, the division and scoring right now. After that, I think it's a, a three-horse race. Uh, I think Lethbridge, Calgary, Medicine Hat, and you could even throw Red Deer in. Uh, they're a young group, but got that split this past weekend uh, with Calgary. I think it's going to be so exciting. And, and the Central Division, Curly's been in it longer than I have, of course. But it's always, it always seems to be the cream of the crop in the Western Hockey League. And I think this year is no different. There's so many good teams. Brent Kissio's done such a great job here. Uh, hard to believe it's his sixth season in Lethbridge since coming down from the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago, though. It has felt, you know, it, on the hockey front, it's gone by quickly. Um, the personal side especially the last year feels like it's gone uh, forever, but uh, he's done a great job. Steve Hamilton uh, has done a fantastic job with the Hitman over the last couple of years. Of course, you think back two seasons when, when that Hitman team beat the Hurricanes in the playoffs and went on to the second round before losing to the Oil Kings. So uh, I think the hockey is going to be fantastic. We've already seen it in the first two weekends. And I think it's only a sign of things to come, especially too, as you get further into the 24 game season, uh, the players are going to, find their stride even more uh, given that they haven't played in a year uh, I feel like it was a little rusty to start the first couple of weekends but it's only going to get better from here and and it should be a fun race for that two three four five seating Curly can you give us the road ahead for the Hitman, and we'll get uh, Forbesy to, to tell us what's happening with the Hurricanes well it's a trio of games against the Medicine Hat Tigers beginning Friday night out at seven Chief Sportsplex on Satina Nation it's a 730 start We'll have the call for you here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We've got that one-hour pregame show to get you ready once again. And then Saturday, it's into Tiger Town for the rematch, and then Sunday, back at home. And it was, uh, I guess, a, a, an, itu- um, an interesting situation for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Um, I know that they just played the Edmonton Oil Kings and got swept this weekend, but they do have a bit of an ace in the hole. We don't know yet when forward Cole Sillinger will come back. He has been released to the Tigers once his USHL season is done. And that's one of the storylines of this division is the star power and the youthful uh, uprising in the Central Division. Every team around the division has at least two players that are on NHL radar for the upcoming drafts. will be fun to watch. I'm not sure if Sillinger will be back for the Medicine Hat Tigers in time for this weekend, but it is trio games, Hitman and the Tigers, one, two, three, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, the and we have, yeah, and we have a trio of games this weekend against Red Deer. Uh, the Rebels were in Red Deer on Friday and Sunday, back home on Saturday, and then the following weekend. Looking forward to seeing the brights of Curly's eyes from a distance against uh, the Calgary <laughs> Hitman. Uh, 
three and three and uh, all the games down. We don't do a, an hour pregame show, thank goodness. We only well, do 20 minutes. Well, but. hang on. I mean, actually, uh, you know, maybe Curly could read his emails once in a while. We have a 90-minute uh, pregame show coming oh, up. Geez. Yeah. So it's like you haven't done anything in a year, Curly, so it's time to start working. So I'm going to get my pound of flesh out of you. So looking forward to it. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Dustin, tell us how, uh, for folks that maybe don't know, how we can hear you call the Leopard Hurricanes. Uh, we are on 106.7 Rock in Lethbridge. Uh, we do a 20-minute pregame show. Thank goodness, not a 90-minute. That's why Curly gets paid the big bucks, right? You know, I, uh, I got to talk not... to somebody and increase that for you. I don't think you're working hard enough. So anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah, 20-minute 20, 20 pregame show. Uh, we have all the games down here uh, on 106.7 Rock. It's been fun to be back and looking forward to being back on the mic after a bye weekend this past weekend for the Hurricanes. All right, you guys, get out of here. Thanks so much for uh, participating, and we'll talk again real soon. Great to have the Western Hockey League back in Alberta. Thanks, guys. You're very welcome. Cheers. There we go. They're boys helping us out right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is International Women's Day, and coming up next, we're going to hear from Sandra Pacina. She's going to talk to Megan Chaika, who is big into the analytics. And, uh, you know, to say that's a male-dominated role, yeah, for sure. And she has uh, kicked down the door and has done very, very well. So we're going to hear that story coming up in just a little bit. Uh, a couple other things to kind of mention to you. Will Nault will be in at 1 o'clock. We've got it for you. Um, the big show starts at 1 o'clock, and then Steinberg joins at 2 o'clock. And, yeah, I, I imagine they'll be talking about the Flames a little bit. They, uh, they're not short on the content, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, coming up on Friday, your chance to win, as we have a $100 gift card to give away. This will be uh, to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and it's Lou's Mailbag. It's back. You send in your question, and who knows? You could be a winner. Um, I'll tell you, like, it's an amazing dining experience, and 100 bucks will really, really get you something awesome there. Uh, look forward to it. Relax and enjoy while Ruth Chris uh, makes it a very safe experience, comfortable for everybody. Book your table today. And uh, go Flames go. So that is how you do that. You go to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Look for contests. Enter. And simple as that. Sandra Pacina is next right here on Hockey Central. Today is International Women's Day. Sportsnet 960. The fan celebrates women in sports with Sandra Pacina. So, Megan, before we get into stat lease and the use of data in sports, just love to hear a little bit more about you. Where did your initial love of sports come from? I always played sports growing up, and I think part of that is that, you know, I'm really tall. <laughs> I'm uh, almost 6'1", so as a woman growing up, you know, I had a bit of a competitive advantage in every sport you would guess, you know, volleyball, basketball. So I was, you know, highly uh, into a lot of different sports and just grew up sort of, you know, watching it, playing it, and following all these athletes. And what was it about hockey that drew you to it? I think hockey is a really interesting sport. It's incredibly dynamic and fast and has a lot of different elements that I think other sports have, but not all at once. I think just like the speed and skill uh, of these athletes, I always found it amazing how they played on ice and, you know, a very Canadian sport as well. Mm -hmm. So being in, you know, I grew up in, in the Niagara region, so really in, in the hub of a lot of hockey. I mean, we're in between, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, the Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, very thick into hockey country we are here and i think that just sort of you know not only grows on you but also it's just like a part of your community 
You know, I'll be the first to admit, I grew up on really basic stats in hockey. Goals, assists, points, maybe plus minus. Basically, like, the stuff you would find on the back of a hockey card. That was it for me. For you, when was the moment that you realized there was more data that you could extrapolate and analyze it? Sure. I mean, that's a good question because I didn't actually think of it um, in sort of, you know, there wasn't really a tipping point. I mean, like I said, I had come from uh, basketball. I was actually even a baseball pitcher as well, which is a very, you know, mature sport in terms of collecting data and understanding different metrics and doing advanced analysis. So I looked to those other sports of where there were gaps in hockey and really thought that we could bring more data to it. Uh, So it was kind of a natural progression, you know, as sports analytics and Moneyball came out as Mm -hmm. a movie. Um, you know, the industry started turning more and more to data, like every industry actually in the world right now. And tell us, how did StatLeads come to fruition? What is the story behind it? Yeah, very much in a similar kind of progression. I mean, we were looking at hockey in terms of how to, you know, evaluate players and realize there wasn't a lot of data that they were looking at. Uh, and were asked to do a few projects when we were very young. I was still in graduate school at the time. Uh, and then we started pitching it as, as a company, as athletes. Uh, and we won a few really big business competitions, one actually uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we were first. And, and part of the reason they said was they realized how much data was in the NFL and football. And they thought, yeah, it could be the same in hockey. So kind of interesting. We convinced Americans that we could do the same mm. thing uh, in the NHL. But that was sort of the more formal birth of our company. Uh, but informally, we, we had been working in hockey for, for a few years before then. I'm curious, was there any sort of pushback? So the Canucks were the first to get on board, but what was the feedback that you were getting during those early years? Yeah, I mean, we don't really talk about our client list too much, but you know, now we've scaled in, in terms of like working in 22 leagues. We work with some of the best players and teams and leagues in the world. And for us, we see it about scale and understanding. It's not so much having an opinion on on a player, but it's about providing data and information. Um, so even though maybe like 10 years ago, there were people that, you know, would talk badly about analytics. I think mm-hmm. now the discussion is just sort of a fun fan discussion. And the use of data in sports is just something that not only has a baseline of a lot of use cases, so you're talking about drafting, scouting, player development, uh, you know, roster construction, and then management decisions, obviously. So really it's used in such a wide variety of ways that, you know, we just see more and more adoption, honestly, every year. And we are seeing more data-based front office positions in pro leagues here in Calgary. Chris Snow is driving that. Are you surprised at how long it's taken, or do you think this is come up pretty quickly um i'd say i'm a bit surprised in hockey but i think that there's a very healthy front office perspective from you know using data and same with a a league perspective so i think it'll just continue to be that much more important you know as the industry and as technology grows Um, and i think too on the fan side so fan engagement whether it's gaming or gambling i think there's very big spaces for data um, in terms of you know, just the absolute need to have it and to have it be accurate, you know, and we've really uh, hung our hat on, you know, accuracy and efficiency. So as a company, we're, we're well positioned for the growth. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll just continue to see people who not only utilize it within organizations, but be able to support it as well. I'm really cur- curious about those people that 
are sort of in the middle and they don't want to get hung up on one thing. I remember the argument where you look at a blue line or in plus minus doesn't really tell the story. In terms of analytics, how do you describe that to somebody that's not necessarily a naysayer, but maybe doesn't believe in the information it can provide? I would definitely say that it's it's interesting because, you know, I think whenever I get into that discussion, it's sort of the discussion of like technology, artificial intelligence versus the human mind. Uh, you know, our minds can be quite biased. So whether it's like recency bias, what we just see, or, you know, they they look at the game and like a player or not, so they can have, you know, a certain, certain um, affinity for certain types of players. Maybe in the past, it used to be like the size of a player really mattered to a GM or a coach. Yeah. Uh, and you can use data to sort of understand why you have those ten- tendencies and why that's maybe not the right call all the time. So I think for me, it's saying that, you know, data is seeing these players like a computer would see them and understand. And it's not the end-all be-all. There's assumptions and all sorts of things that go into modeling and to understanding how to value or to look at these players. Uh, but it certainly can see a lot more games than you can every night. And even when you think of the NHL, I think it's like 161 days without breaks. Yeah. It's a lot for anyone. And then you get into drafting and scouting and, you know, there's games in Russia and Sweden and Finland and Switzerland. You just can't consume the hockey that's going on. So data is a way to understand and interpret and be able to actually deploy scouts in an effective way as well. Could you see yourself maybe expanding past hockey and going into other sports? I know you mentioned the NFL. Is there anything else you guys are looking at right now? Uh, Yeah, from our perspective, I mean, we're just in hockey to provide a really strong product. We've seen a lot of other tech companies that have gone into other sports and really not done as great of a job in hockey. So we're pretty committed to staying in it. And I think the one really interesting thing about hockey is it's so international and people forget that. So we have clients around the world. You know, we've worked on a lot of different national teams um, and a lot of different leagues. So for us, we just want to keep moving in that direction and be the best in hockey. I know you're a big supporter of women's sports. One weekend I happened to be creeping on your Twitter feed and <laughs> just because it was the weekend that the National Women's Hockey League started its bubble up. And I remember you had posted something about how men can enjoy women's sport too. And I happened to look at some of the replies that you get and some of the, the comments are, are just beyond me that people can write those kinds of things. How do you continue to be such a vocal voice for this fight when you're receiving so much vitriol in return? I think for me, I see a lot of what's mirrored of women in business for women athletes. And I think, uh, you know, in both cases, like you're saying, it's just a lot of the uh, thoughts are unfounded, right? I mean, they're on like women can't be uh, hockey executives because they haven't played at that level. Well, there's a lot of Olympians and Harvard grads that, you know, are women uh, that could certainly be hockey executives just haven't been yet. Um, So I think a lot of the arguments that people have, whether it's against women athletes or women in business, uh, have a very similar undertone. And just chipping away at that and really showing that, you know, we don't have to see people in those positions to to get to those positions, that in, in many cases, organizations would be far better off to find some of these undervalued women and put them in those positions because they'll thrive, right? And they they have the skill set, they have the background. Same with women's sports. During COVID, we've seen 
soccer, you know, explode. And now we see all of these investors coming into women's soccer. And, you know, women's tennis, uh, women's golf, there's a lot of products that are great, um, not just at the Olympics, but every four years. And I know that, you know, women's hockey is one of the, the most viewed Olympic events. Yeah. So why why it's not continued after, uh, I think, is, is a disservice to the sport and disservice to the athletes. Interesting that you mention women's hockey. And I think back to 2014 in Sochi and... Women's hockey stole the show. And <laughs> it was, you ask people about Sochi and they just remember that gold medal overtime game. Like, that's just all people will talk Absolutely. about. Right. And it's, it's about harnessing that. And here we are almost however many years later. And I still don't know we've, we've hit that tipping point yet because unfortunately, we don't have a professional women's hockey, at least one professional women's hockey league that's maybe under the umbrella of the NHL. So, and I know it's a loaded question, but where do we go from right. there? Yeah, but I think that's with every women's sport that's not, you know, maybe te- tennis and and like I said, um uh, you know, there's only a handful of women's sports that really stand alone right now. Yeah. And soccer's getting there with the amount of investment going into it. So I think it's just following that framework. You know, there's both the NWHL who had a bubble in Lake Placid was going to be on NBC and, you know, COVID, unfortunately, uh, through some challenges. The PWHPA, which is uh, a group of, of women, many, most national team women that play in it, uh, that I, think, I believe that they're going to play at the Rangers in Chicago and be on NBC, yep. uh, hopefully in, in, you know, the next month or so. So, there is a lot of positive movement in the space. And I think that, you know, continuing to just build on what we have and, you know, having these established leagues with salaries will go a very long way. And a lot of sponsors have stepped up. So I definitely see that there's hope and not only a a business model, but, you know, it just should be supported in some way. Um, And I I know we'll get there just a matter of time and, and of capital. And I'm curious, how much pushback have you had to deal with in your career to basically get to the point that you're at today? I definitely a lot of pushback. At the same time, you know, I have had experience in like Fortune 500 companies. You know, my background is more in like um, finance, staff, economics. So, you know, whenever you're in in a, a group that's women aren't the norm, I think that there's challenges. So I wouldn't say that sports has been harder on me. I I would definitely say that. You know, having a thick skin, being smart about, like, focusing on your goals, uh, being good to people, finding people that are good to you, getting good mentors. I think that just becomes that much more important for women right now. Um, uh, but it's definitely not easy. And I, I try not to sugarcoat it for other women, too, because, you know, you do come up with adversity. And I'm sure, too, right, sports media, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of men that seem to be uncomfortable with like women as analysts and we see that in hockey too right it's you turn on your tv and it's you know very rarely do you see one or two women analysts pop up and i think that sort of spills into my career as well where they're like oh you know about hockey you know (laughs) they they just assume i'm uh, i work on the media side or i'm a host and you know it's it's really tough to break down that wall it's you know i feel like i constantly have to reintroduce myself with new people well, since we are celebrating International Women's Day, I'd love to find out who are some of the women that influence you or perhaps continue to influence you to this day. 
That's a really good question. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's for a lot of people. Uh, I think mothers are, are far underserved for what they do uh, and just like the constant sacrifice. And she has the best work ethic ever and a really good attitude. So I try to take a lot from her. I think in the NHL, too, uh, you know, we're pretty blessed, like Heidi Browning in the NHL head office and, and Kim Davis have, you know, are both fabulous. Uh, and we see more and more women in, in NHL front offices and, and working in this space. So I definitely take a lot of energy from them and their successes. And I try to look at it. I think, you know, historically, sometimes women feel competitive with other women. But for me, I think the more women we have in this space, the better everyone's off. Thank you to Megan Chaika, co-founder of Statleets Analytics, for spending some time with us on International Women's Day. I'm Sandra Prusina on the Sportsnet Radio Network.